Hey everyone, welcome to The Totally Well Show. I'm your host, Joyce Strong. The Totally Well Show is a place where we get curious, ask questions, and explore everything to do with health, wellness, fitness, personal development, helping people, and all the things it takes to help you live a strong, joyous life. I'm thrilled to bring you my guest today, Kate Krieg, and you can find her at katekrieg.com and samsanos.com. Those are all in the show notes. And um, Kate is a... Um, uh, co-founder and chief executive for Samsanos. She's a, a mind and performance coach and motivational speaker. And she and I talk about the two words, I am, the power of I am, and how to become the person you want to be. She tells in our interview about her own transformation, how she's made many changes in her life, um, weight being one of them, but uh, really, that was a side benefit to the change that she did up here in her um, the way she thinks about herself and who she is. So I really hope you enjoy this show. Uh, 100 episodes we have here on Totally Well, and there's many more coming. Uh, and so reach out to Kate. She would love to hear from you. I would love to hear from you um, on Totally Well on Facebook, on Joyce Strong on LinkedIn. And um, we'd love to hear from you. We really appreciate those five-star reviews and on I, on, um, on Apple Podcasts because that helps more people see us. And when more people see us, we help more people. So Kate and I collaborated, and we have so much synergy. I really admire her and her program, Sam Sanos. So reach out. Let us know what you think. And um, we'll see you on next show. Thanks so much. Enjoy this one. Hello, Kate. How are you? Terrific. Thank you. How are you? I'm very good. Thanks for coming on the Totally Well podcast. And um, just for my listeners, this is Kate Krieg. And I, I keep wanting to call her Craig because my son is called Craig, uh, but Kate <laughs> Krieg. And um, just to get right up front in case people have start listening and have to go, um, I want to let people know how to find you. So we, um, we spoke earlier about katekrieg.com. K R I E G dot com and some Sanos dot com. Dot com. Yeah. That's correct. Yes, well done. <laughs> and then as far as your um, title there, your co founder and chief executive at Sam Sanos. Yeah, so I really look after all of the um, operational aspects of Samsanos. I'm very much at the coal phase, speaking with customers, speaking with clients, coaching myself, taking people through. So, yeah, yeah so you're right. It's Kate Krieg, K-A-T-E-K-R-I-E-G.com yeah. or Samsanos, S-U-M-S-A-N-O-S.com. And then people can reach all your social media platforms through that. Is that the best way? Yeah, yeah, that's the best way to contact me is go straight to my website and they can I can access everything else from there. Yeah. And you're also a speaker, motivational speaker, as well as a coach. Yeah, yeah, I am. And I think it's probably because my background is fairly eclectic. I have had so many different, I guess, uh, I guess areas of focus, you could probably say. I've done an MBA, I've been in large corporate organizations looking after all executive functioning, but my passion really lies in neuroscience actually yeah. uh, and my passion lies in mindset coaching as we were talking about before and also around uh, habit-based intervention methodologies which I'll share with you what that word means. <laughs> um, it's all about habit change basically and the reason why uh, I am doing a lot of speaking and doing a lot of things around the motivational side of things is because probably because of my own wellness journey and my own weight management journey. I actually was somebody who 
was yo-yo dieting for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And I, when I said I've done my MBA, that was sort of the time where I was thinking, how on earth can I apply myself in all these areas and you know, manage so many things, big functions, big budgets, so as in corporate functions, big budgets, and you know, my, have do my MBA and just not get this one area of my life Mm-hmm. Why is it that I can apply myself and get high distinctions in these areas and yet I'm getting, you know, I'm getting a, a D minus. <laughs> I'm barely passing in the in the weight management space. And I really took a beating with uh, my own mindset and my own capabilities in those moments. And I then ended up sort of, I'm, I'm a fairly research-driven person and I sort of just cleared the cleared the decks and went, right, what is actually happening here? Yeah. What is going on? Why, why can't I do this? And that language I was using quite a lot. And that's really what got me on a path to discovering mindset and habit change in a big way, but to apply it to my own health and wellness journey. Mm-hmm. And it was seven years ago I embarked on this and I've now lost 30 kilos and kept it off after having two pregnancies and two little wow. baby girls. Congrats. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you very much. And so I've kept it off and now I dedicate my whole life sharing and helping people and supporting them through, I guess, up-leveling their own mindset and their own capabilities and also through habit change as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this is exactly what um, I'm where my practice has gone as well as a coach. And um, my frustration with seeing people lose weight so beautifully and easily with a number of different approaches to dieting and so-called lifestyle change, but they would come back sicker, heavier, um, more discouraged and more believing even more that, that this is never going to happen for me, that I must be different. And even the thing that you said about why in all these areas of my life am I so fulfilled and I, I'm just a failure here. And I, would constantly remind them you it's not willpower it's not intelligence it's not motivation because you're doing that and you know you get up for your kids you show up on time for work you've led men in battle you've you know done all these amazing things and so um, something else between I know what to do and I just don't do it has to matter well we know that 95% of weight loss attempts fail long term Mm mm-hmm so when you think about that, that's pretty frightening because you, you know that how this is a billion-dollar industry, the weight management industry is a billion-dollar, like billions of dollars, I should yeah, say. Yeah, I was going to say it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not a billion, but billions of dollars. I actually can't remember the number, but it's billions and billions of dollars. Yeah. And when we know that 95% of weight loss attempts fail mm-hmm. long-term, that gives us reason to instantly think, well, actually, maybe it's not me. Maybe it's not me because there's so many other people out there that are going through the same thing that are either, if they're lucky enough to be able to sustain a diet or any sort of prescribed approach to eating or moving their body, well, if they're lucky enough to do that, well, then fantastic. But what happens is most people regain the weight as soon as they've lost, as soon as they've finished the intervention. Mm-hmm. And so this is the biggest challenge is, is helping people understand that those before and after photos aren't really what's happening. It's there's before 
and after and then after after photos which uh we see all the time in but but we don't actually see online and that's the challenge so people are constantly thinking it's about them so when you say it's not about willpower or motivation it's not about them you it's not about the individual what we know is that willpower is a finite resource mm-hmm. willpower it, it can be depleted by with all your willpower you know sometimes by mid morning for some people depending on what's happening in their day mm-hmm. and those those nutrition plans or those those prescribed way of dieting or eating and those prescribed intense exercise challenges require a such a large amount of willpower to sustain yourself on them to keep doing it mm-hmm. and if willpower is a finite resource that's why most people can't stick to them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so <clears throat> and and I'm I'm using these examples I will mention and um, you know put on the pedestal here is Dr Gina Cleo Dr. Gina Cleo was the first one to do the highest level of evidence into weight management mm-hmm. and long-term into weight loss maintenance. Dr. Gina Cleo is the, uh, she, she is the, um, she's a PhD expert in habit change mm-hmm. for weight loss. And her research showed um, all of these things that I'm saying about 95% of weight loss attempts fail long-term, willpower is a finite resource, resource and ultimately, what helps somebody is doing the small things, the teeny tiny changes to their habits to be able to achieve long-term weight loss. So her clinical trial was um, the highest level of evidence you can achieve. For anyone scientific out there, it's a randomized three-arm control trial with a systematic review. <laughs> Basically, it means that it wasn't just somebody going and having a look at a few different people. It was a really robust study. It was one of the highest levels of evidence that you can achieve. Yeah. And what the research showed is that after the habit change program was over, after that 12 weeks, people kept losing weight. So much so that they kept losing weight well beyond and until the 12-month mark and beyond. Mm-hmm. And so as a result of that, her research has gained so much academic and media and, and health professional attention worldwide and continues to. And those methodologies, that research, her work is what she has contributed to the Samsanos program. Mm-hmm. So um, that's what Samsanos is all about. Samsanos means I am healthy. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's part habit change, part mindset change. And that's really where the magic happens. Yeah, I think so. I, I I read several books recently. One was James Clear's Atomic Habits, and there's a new one out, Tiny Habits. And I know that that's a huge piece of it, but I still see people even understanding small habits without the mindset part incorporated into that they can, they're, they're just, I don't want to say that they're not going to succeed, but they're not going to have as um, as deep and permanent a change that yeah, they yeah. exactly i mean we're reprogramming somebody's world somebody's mind you know we're we're building new neural pathways and you know you know what all of that's about and we're also you know from a habit change perspective we're restructuring environments so those books are beautiful and i think a lot of people get so much insight into habits by reading those books and there really is a movement you know habits weren't really even researched until about a decade ago at, at a higher mm. level until about a decade ago yeah. so those books are great insight into habits 
the how to change your habits is the challenge. Mm-hmm. How to change your habits is the challenge. But then also the uh, coupled with that is that all of the shifts that come with changing your habits and the belief systems, the identity challenges, moving from somebody's current reality to their preferred reality, all includes and incorporates um, a, a level of uh, belief system analyses. We're analyzing what's their current beliefs because their beliefs dictate somebody's thoughts, their mindset, their thinking. Mm-hmm. dictates their actions and behaviors and their actions and behaviors dictate who they are or who they are becoming mm-hmm. so you're right those actions and behaviors are in the middle which is really those habits but what sits before that is the beliefs and the thinking mm-hmm. so if we can we can get to analyzing and supporting people by uh moving them through this uh the mindset sort of things helping them analyse and understand their belief systems which are controlling their thinking or even just their thinking in general, their thought processes, mm-hmm. will be able to support them from a habit change but also from a thinking perspective and mindset change with their actions and as a result then we'll be able to change their outcomes. When I first started uh, to, to study coaching and become a coach, so I went to school for coaching, it was the first time somebody worked with me to help maybe challenge my reality. Like, you know, things I've thought were just carved in stone. It is what it is. And without my feeling, I was broken. And I think that was the piece that really allowed me, because any other attempt I'd made at any, what I thought of as therapy would get, would create this resistance in me because I didn't want to be broken. And (laughs) so when I got a coach for myself and she, she she was like, I don't know, I think it was a a lot to do with, I think I can, you know, became, this is in you and it's not because you're broken. It's just, you've, for whatever reason, developed this belief system and it can change if you want it. Um, That made all the world of difference. And that's probably one of my biggest challenges as a coach working with people as I attempt to talk to them. And maybe you can give me some tips here. Uh, they they start to feel like uh, like they're. Are you a therapist? Are you you know trying to dig deep into my past? And I'm like, well, yes and no. It's not, I'm not a therapist, but but it's good to talk about where these things. Absolutely. Came. Yeah. So this this is a beautiful topic that we've just touched on now. So a lot I coach a lot of people, and the the number one resulting. Uh, thing that I hear, resounding thing I hear is how non-judgmental the coaching environment is and how empowering it is. Yeah. And that's really as as coaches, that's what we love and that's what we do and that's what we, we aim for because we know that self-efficacy or self-belief empowers people to be able to achieve more. So that's the space that we really want to be creating at all times is that yeah. uh, non-judgmental empowerment when you talk about uh, this feeling of, oh, am I broken and, and what, what, is, what does that mean if I've got this belief system? 
I celebrate these moments where people have this awareness of what their beliefs are. That's a celebration. That's a, wow, that's what my current thinking is. Now that current thinking has served you well. It's not because you're broken. It's actually really a valuable tool that you used at some point in your journey to help you at a certain time. And often it is the past, admittedly. You know, we we spend a lot of time as coaches in the present moment and forward focusing. But there is some insights we can get, especially in this moment now. We can get some insights into their past uh, paradigm, their past thinking, their past belief systems, mm-hmm. because because how beautifully competent we were back then to mm-hmm. be able to adopt this belief system or be able to adopt this behavior or this thought process so that we can survive, yeah. so that we can be, be not seen to whatever it actually enabled us to do back then what is a competency. Mm-hmm. So we can go back to that and we can ask, how did that serve me well back then? Mm-hmm. How did this belief system serve me well back then? And often people instantly come up with, you know, when did it serve you well? When was the first time you sort of adopted this, this thought or this feeling or this belief or this approach? And instantly they can think of a time. Mm-hmm. And you go, okay, and how did that serve you well back then? Yeah. And they often say, well, it, it enabled me to do this and this and this. And it was actually a, a benefit. And whether or not it was flying under the radar, whether or not it was being a chameleon, whether or not it was, you know, being likable or feeling liked or whatever it might be, it served them well. And I then we can bring- I have an example of a client, yeah. who, a very awesome ex- example. She was very young child on the slide, on a slide at a playground. And the, the history she has is, is always n- not rising to her level of intelligence and ability. She was always taking jobs below her and doing less than she was capable of and then feeling angry, feeling squashed, like it was somebody else stepping, keeping her down. And so I, said, I, said that I asked her that question, and she said when she was a child, she was on the, at the playground and at the top of the slide, and her brother was in front of her. And she pushed him and he fell off and broke his clavicle. <laughs> and, mm. um, and then another time she was grandpa, she was at a party with grandpa and grandpa asked her to go get his medicine for, and, and she couldn't get, find it or get it quickly enough. And he died there in front of her. And so there were these times when she was asked to do something a little above her ability. And, um, and she tied that right together with, how she behaves now. And I could see how it served her then because she was the child of parents who were giving her two adult, the oldest of all the children. She was always being asked to be another mother for the younger sin. Right. So she was protecting herself by later saying this is over my head, which it was, but later as an adult wasn't. That's right. It's a beautiful example. And I think the coaching experience and environment, this non-judgmental, empowering space, really to help lead people to this awareness level, uh, awareness of what it is that they want to achieve and, and also what they feel might be holding them back. But the awareness of being able to really contemplate some of these things and raise them and move through them and develop new belief systems and new mindsets and new empowering ways to help them achieve their goals. So this is a beautiful example of what happens in the coaching environment. 
and the amazing power, just that shift in somebody's belief system, shift in their thinking, acknowledgement of, you know, how that served them back then Mm -hmm. and acknowledgement of what may have happened. um, it, It can really make a profound difference in somebody's life. And I love how you say celebrated because you're, you're actually thanking that part of you for protecting you. Yes. And that's what actually physically, uh, what I, what I say to my clients is, you know, we need to be thanking that younger version of yourself and for being so competent and being so capable and being so, you know, whatever words, um, are, are coming up. So thanking that younger version of yourself and celebrating how competent you are at being able to achieve what you need to and or whatever it might be but it's definitely the, the celebration I, I spend you know a disproportionate amount of my time in coaching celebrating somebody's competencies because it's not that they need to be coaching for the rest of their life they shouldn't be with me I, I should be there should be an end you know a, a fairly you know not a, not a rapid end but I want to I want to know that somebody can really enjoy life and be able to achieve what they need because they have got this new level of knowledge they've got this new level of awareness and they're totally empowered and so it's not me that is the conduit it's all them and so for me putting a mirror up to them and showing them how good they are and how competent they are and how skilled they are it's so that they can really recognize oh yeah it's not Kate it's me that's awesome. I am good. This is great. I can achieve whatever I want to apply myself to. There's a level of trust, I think, that we build and almost a barring. I can remember with my coach um, at the very beginning, was who was one of the instructors, where she, I hired her to coach me and she, I just trusted her and I, I, it was a leap of faith. I was like, I don't see it. I don't believe it, but you see it and believe it. And I admire you and respect you. So I'm going to borrow that for now. And eventually it became mine. Yes. The borrowing belief, the borrowing trust is so true. I've had so many people say that because people get to the point of feeling quite fatigued. Often by the time they come to see a coach, they're fairly fatigued. Yeah. They've, they've, they've got a whole bunch of stuff going on. They, they know where they want to go, but because of, especially when it comes to weight management, the trust thing mm-hmm. is huge yeah. because 95% of weight loss attempts fail long-term. Who are people trusting? They don't trust themselves. They don't trust anything externally. So the trust is really shaken. Yeah. And, and that's why it's really important as a coach to, to be able to extend that trust and extend that belief system and, and sometimes I'm, we're in a fortunate position, very fortunate with a program with such robust evidence to be able to um, help people lean on that from a trust or a belief system. But often it's about, yeah, re- trusting in the coach, trusting in the process, mm-hmm. letting go a little bit, and, mm-hmm. then, and then they can take it and own that trust themselves. It's a big part of it. Yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned just because of the being fooled so many times um, by something that get, held such great promise and then it didn't pan out. Yeah, often people don't blame the ex- external circumstances in this, in this environment. Yeah. Often we do, as individuals, we do look externally 
um, versus look, sort of looking inwards and really thinking about, you know, our mindset, what we've been thinking. But in, in the environment of weight management, most people are looking, not looking externally. They're thinking, well, how come I failed? How come I'm no good at this? Why can't I do this? What's wrong with me versus this is setting me up to fail. This is not enabling me to achieve the goals that I want. So, yeah, it is this. I remember you asked me in the the beginning just before we came on, you said, I want to know what your philosophy is. And in the weight management space, my philosophy is very different to the weight management space that everybody else has been exposed to very frequently and for decades and decades. The philosophy we have is that everybody has the skills and capabilities. It's about really helping reprogram their mind, mm-hmm. reprogram their, their existence, so through their habits, mm-hmm. and restructure their environments. And we do that with such uh, self-kindness and self-compassion that's a res- that is the most important tool uh, that we want to offer people is this new way of operating and thinking about yourself because what happens in most diets and most weight loss attempts is there's self-punishment mm-hmm. and that self-punishment doesn't enable anybody to sort of you keep putting yourself down you're not going to be able to lift yourself up in the moment you need it so there's a lot of uh, focus on self-compassion and self-kindness mm-hmm. and really making sure that this environment is empowering. We're giving people the knowledge and the awareness and the skills to be able to not only lose weight but lose weight long-term but, but completely enhance and empower them to shift the quality of their thinking and to be able to apply themselves to all areas of life, including weight management. We have people that have, have sort of, you know, lost 20-plus kilos on the program, and they're, but, but the language they're using is how, how kind they are to themselves, how they are still able to have the snacking when they want to and eat the cheeseburgers when they want to because nothing's off limits. It's just about creating this awareness and this intuitive response to how they want to be and not punishing themselves that they still wouldn't mind the cheeseburger or that they still want to have some of these things. Yeah. Nothing should be off limits. Um, because that causes us to go into this binge eating sort of frenzy. So everything is softer. It's not this, I guess the, the philosophy and the paradigm is not this rigid and intense way of operating, which most weight management attempts are, are live in. We're in this balanced and flexible approach, which is all about self-kindness and empowering and creating awareness and small, teeny, tiny changes to lead to these big outcomes versus this intense, rigid approach is should, you shouldn't, you can, you can't. And that's the language that we often, you know, live in is I can't, I should, I shouldn't, you know, expectations. So it's a much, much, much more softer um, philosophy and environment that I really like to make sure that we create. And I guess helping people to trust the signals they'll be getting as they get healthier and healthier from their body. I remember somebody saying, um, how will I know if I had enough? And I'm like, when you're not hungry anymore. (laughs) Yeah. And there's a whole, that's right. They've given that away, that decision away to something else. And they don't even recognize, they're so disconnected from their bodies. 
Yeah, and there's a lot happening in that moment. There's a lot happening in that moment. It, it, there's a process because we've we've conditioned ourselves to operate in a certain way and we've conditioned ourselves that uh, if we do something, this will happen. And that often, let's say emotional eating as an, as an example, is often we we are often emotionally eating to suppress an emotion in that moment. Now, that served us well at some point. You know, it's not like we're broken. It's not like, you know, there's something wrong. We did something wrong. It's nothing like that. It served us well at some point. Uh, But there's often an awareness that comes with uh, the process of reconditioning our minds when it comes to something that's not helping us anymore. So let's say we've recognised that we are emotional eating now. There's a process involved to undo that and to be able to to create awareness levels around is it physical hunger and sometimes it is sometimes mm-hmm. it is physical hunger you know I am actually hungry because I've starved myself you know um, because I've restricted myself in some way uh, so there, there is a process involved of helping somebody create this really profound but fairly subtle initially shift because it's just we're just doing things step by step little by little it's not intense and all of a sudden you go oh my gosh I can't believe who I am today I can barely remember who I was back then and back then could only be a year ago I mean I I have have the same story who I am today is so different to who I was seven years ago completely different but when people used to ask me what did you do I couldn't answer them because yeah. it was so small and so subtle yeah. and it just it just built on it over time that it, it accumulated as you know you've read you've read atomic habits and you you've 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 got some insight into habits already it's that these small consistent tiny steps lead to these big results and 30 kilos lighter uh, I have a very different approach to new, fueling my body with food Mm-hmm. I have a very different approach to moving my body mm-hmm. and I have a very different mindset. I have a different relationship with myself. I have a different relationship with people around me. Mm-hmm. I have a different quality of thinking about my whole environment. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's, there is a process involved. But, yes, helping somebody become more intuitive, there's a process in that. But that's, and it's, it's simple. It's more consistency. It's yeah. more consistency. Yeah. It's more enabling them and empowering them to go, yeah, what am I feeling? What am I feeling? Mm-hmm. And that's the consistent application. What do I need in this moment? Mm-hmm. What do I need in this moment? And is- even, even more deeply knowing I'm worth it, you know, that um, I have a practice now of starting a journal. Um, it's what I kind of stared at a couple of times, but I, I look at my journal and I start today I wrote, um, number one was gratitude. I was grateful for the things I have today. A year ago, I didn't know I was going to have two more grandchildren, the twins mm-hmm. I was telling you about. And the second thing was, I wrote, Joyce, I love you. Just that the idea of, and I'll even like play with the babies and look down at them and I'll say, I love you, I love you. But then I become them and I'm saying it in my mind to me as a baby. I love so that. Things like that, that are just so... When you do it and you feel so awkward, you realize, oh my God, I didn't love me. When you, you know, because it doesn't, it feels like, it feels like so awkward. (laughs) 
Yeah, I love that approach though. And I think for so many people, there's a, people can adopt this, the idea of self-love. Have you noticed I've used the word self-kindness? Because because often the concept of self-love is actually fairly extreme for some people. And that's exactly what you're talking about right now. And we... It, we're moving people from this self-punishment and self-belittlement and self-loathing often yeah, yeah. to self-kindness, self-compassion and self-love is, you know, that's what, that's the idea, you know, that's what we'd, we'd, we'd want to move people through. But there is sort of a scale, if you like, I, I feel, and, and sort of nudging people through to this idea of self-love. But when often when people are coming and and I'm coaching them from the beginning, the idea of love, loving oneself is is so far fetched for them. And it's, it's a leap at first. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. That was that was a very good reminder for me to hear because it's the same thing of you've got to gradually get there. Yeah, and everything is a gradual process, and it's just little by little, and then all of a sudden they start to see indicators like you said what are the indicators what am i saying that's making me feel like i'm achieving this new identity what am i saying to myself what am i experiencing uh, and some of those indicators move them to go oh wow oh i am doing that or i am seeing that oh how interesting and so then you just they're nudging up a little bit and that's why all of a sudden they get to this person who they celebrate who they're proud of who they're happy with and they go, my gosh, how on earth did I get here? This is, this is amazing. I, as somebody who was 30 kilos heavier, I can't tell you how difficult it was. And I'm hoping a lot of the listeners um, and viewers are going to be re- resonating with this concept if somebody's feeling like their weight loss is something they would like or weight release, someone said to me on, on my um, Samsanos podcast the other day, they called it weight release yeah. because they're releasing it not to get it back. Loss is like you're going to get it, gain it back. And I said, I love that. So this weight release concept, uh, if somebody's looking at, you know, wanting to consider that, for me when I was heavier, I used to wake up in the morning and instantly I was reminded of, feeling overweight because of the feeling I had in my stomach. I'd overeaten the night before often and my stomach would really hurt and I was feeling a bit sick and often then I wanted to eat to satisfy that feeling in my mind. I wanted to eat to suppress that feeling and Mm -hmm. so I would eat some more and then I would have this issue with, well, what can I eat? What should and shouldn't I eat? Am I allowed to have this? Am I not allowed to have that? So instantly I'm being pulled. My willpower is being used Mm -hmm. of what I should and shouldn't eat and then you know, I was starting to feel upset about uh, what I chose to eat because often I would overeat in that moment or I wouldn't be eating the right thing or I would add something that I felt bad about. And then I'd have to try and work out what I was going to wear. And that process was just, it was all consuming because none of my clothes looked good on me. They didn't fit well. And I was embarrassed about, you know, what I was looking like and the size. And then I'd look in the mirror and it was just this constant. I always say that it felt like things were in front of my face. I was just this big, dark, very, very dark cloud over me all day long, all consuming. I couldn't even catch glimpses in windows as I was walking past because I was so disappointed with how I looked and how I felt. And 
yeah, even probably people looking back at me, I was thinking, I wonder what they're thinking. And it was so consuming. Mm -hmm. I'm free of that now. It's exhausting. I'm free of that now. And to think that I actually could do that back then, I, I probably didn't believe it. I needed to have the borrowed belief and I needed to take little baby steps. But it is absolutely freeing to think that is not how my existence is. I've got so much more time and space to focus on things that I want versus the things that I'm upset about and the things that are bringing me down quite literally. So I think more than the scale that people always come for or the the weight, the, the freedom, just as you've described it. And thank you for being so vulnerable and sharing your own piece as well, because it's, yeah, it's, it's, you've opened up hours of your day to do other things and, and notice other things. It's just, uh. Yeah, and it's changed my mindset and my outlook on other things. And I think being vulnerable, you know, there was a, there's a very famous TED talk about vulnerability that we all know. Yeah. Uh, I think vulnerability, at first, I wasn't sure how I wanted, why I wanted to share my story with other people. But I think it's because a lot of people can relate to what I'm saying. Yeah. And, uh, and unfortunately, a lot of people can't relate to what I'm saying potentially now because I couldn't imagine what my life would be like like this. I, I almost was convinced I wouldn't be able to do it because I could apply myself to all these other areas but not this area. Mm-hmm. And it was a process of all these teeny tiny changes and, and going through that process enabled me to become the person I am today. So. I'm not the person I am today because I'm getting up here and talking about how, how great it is. But I'm saying I, I was there. I was there in a big way. I, was, I know what it feels like. It's, it's really debilitating. So much so that, yeah, I, I couldn't imagine my, I could never imagine my life being this. I would love, I would have loved it to be like this, mm-hmm. but I could never have imagined it. So it really is a process of trust and belief. And, and that's why we know coaching doubles weight loss outcomes. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, support and accountability, I probably should say, um, doubles weight loss outcomes. And that's why the support of a coach is a really beneficial one because you can also borrow their belief and trust, like you say. <laughs> yeah. Well, I could speak with you all day and we're about out of time. So I, I, I'm not done talking with you. Either. And I, I so much admire you and admire your work. It resonates with me very deeply and it gives me um, some um, affirmation for my direction that I'm going in personally and as a professional. So I'm, I'm so grateful to know you to learn about Samsanos and it's just the beginning, I hope, because I, I want to listen to your podcast and get to know you better and share your, your, um, your program and share what you do, which is why we're doing this today too, uh, with, with my viewers and people I know in the world. So thank you so much for coming on today. Oh, thank you to you. It was such a gift to receive an invitation from you to come on. And it has been really, really beautiful having this wonderful connection with you. And yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely all my pleasure as well. And I love the affirmations that I am. It's so awesome. And it is all over my website. It is the name of Samsanos means I am healthy. So we definitely have a lot of alignment and shared, shared thinking, which I really do value. So thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. You're very welcome.